podcast of the Vine Church in Fullerton, California. For more information, visit thevineoc.com. A reading from Exodus, chapter 33, verses 1 through 18. Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, And go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now, take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, even at the entrance to their own tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. But his young aide, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you. By name. Then Moses said, Now show me your glory. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. So, Father, we we thank you for your word, and we pray that through it you would speak to us now. Lord, would you give us open ears to hear your voice? Would you give us open hearts to receive and to respond this morning? And I pray. That as a result, God, of your presence with us, that none of us would leave unchanged this morning. Lord, we offer you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Amen. Well, hey, uh, good morning again. Uh, Last week, we began the season of Lent by journeying with Jesus into the desert. And this week, we continue that desert journey by sort of parachuting in and, and joining up with Moses and the people of Israel at a pivotal moment in their desert journey. And we just read, of course, a big chunk of scripture from Exodus chapter 33. And sometimes you can only understand a story if you really read a good chunk of it. So that's why we did that this morning. If you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Exodus chapter 33, or you can follow along with the words on the screen. I want to begin by giving sort of an overview of what's happening in this story, and then we'll sort of zoom in on some key moments, okay? So the people of Israel are in a desert, and as we talked about last week, the desert is something we can all go through in our lives. This can be a time of barrenness, this can be a time of trial, this can be a time of testing, Uh, But this is also something that God uses to do a deep work within us and actually to draw us closer to himself. So for example, Hosea chapter two, verse 14 says, but now I am going to woo her. And this is referring to his people personified here as a woman. He says, but now I am going to woo her. I will bring her out to the desert and I will speak to her heart. So the desert is something that God uses to draw us closer to himself. So the Israelites are in a desert, but they now find themselves at a pivotal moment in their story, in their journey. They've been wandering in the wilderness, think about this, for a generation. But now the day they've been longing for and waiting for and praying for is here. They've been told that it is now time to move out of the desert and into the promised land, into this land flowing with milk and honey. Again, they've been praying for this moment. They've told stories around the campfire. They've been longing for this moment. They've been waiting, waiting, waiting. And and some of us here today can relate to that. I know some of us here have been waiting for promises to be fulfilled in our lives. There's been a longing for maybe a breakthrough in different areas and you've been waiting. Personally, I've been waiting for some things for years, uh, and I can get impatient sometimes, but think about this. They have been waiting for a lifetime, for a lifetime. So this transitional moment comes, but there's sort of this curveball that comes with it because God appears to Moses, and he says, okay, it's time to go, but I'm not going with you. Let me read verses one through three again. The Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. So God is saying, look, I remember. I made a promise. I remember. I'm keeping this promise. And now is the time. He says, I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and whatever other ites are there. Uh, and, And he says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you whoa, like what's, what's going on in this passage? Well, to understand this, I think it's helpful to reflect on the fact that this is, again, this is a time of crucial transition for the people of Israel. And not a little transition, but, but a big one. This is about as big as a transition as you can have. This is going to be something that will affect every level of their life, of their culture, of their society. This is a transition economically. This will be a time of transition, uh, uh, you know, politically, uh, culturally, spiritually, even. They're going to go from following the, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. This is going to change their dynamics and their relationship with God. So, so this is a, a, an immense transition, 
And, and perhaps some of us here today are in the midst of a transition, or maybe you anticipate one, you're facing one this year. Perhaps it's a new job, perhaps it's moving to a new place, perhaps that's having kids, that's a big transition. Uh, maybe there's a, a significant challenge you're facing this year. Maybe you feel like there's been a shift in your relationship with God this year. And so we can face transition in many ways, but, but here's what we have to keep in mind that in times of transition, the choices that we make are of increased importance. In times of transition, the choices we make are of increased or sort of heightened uh, importance. Now, why? Well, because those choices set the tone. They sort of lay the foundation for the season ahead, right? So think about this. Not every moment in your life is equally important right? Uh, not every season in your life uh, is equally important, but these times of transition are extremely important because they define the next however many years of your life that is. And so if you're in a, a season of transition, one of the things the Lord will often do is that he will sort of, uh, you know, how, how would I put it? He'll sort of kind of draw you close to test your heart and, and really to make sure that your priorities are straight because he loves you and he wants you to be able to step into his call for you in that next season, right? He doesn't want you just to be on spiritual autopilot and just kind of drift into that new job or drift into that new situation. He wants you to really be connected to him and, and really having him at the center of your life. And so, the people of God here, they're facing uh, a massive transition, and God, in his wisdom, knows that it is of utmost importance for them in this time to place him first in their lives, right? In this time of change. And so he, he, he comes to them and he said, you know, guys, it's time to roll, and he kind of tosses them the keys to the front door, if you will, and he says, oh, and by the way, I'm not going with you. And Moses is like, whoa, 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 hold the phone. I didn't have phones back then, obviously, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and we'll look at Moses' response in a minute, but first, let's, let's look at verse four. It says, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn. Now, that's a good response if you hear those words. They began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. Now, the word that's translated here is ornaments. This is referring to jewelry of different kinds, and the reason they took off their jewelry is for at least a couple reasons. And first, as we were just told, that they this was a sign of mourning. So if you're mourning, you're probably not going to dress to the nines, right? And so sort of a very common tradition is if it's, you know, if it's, uh, you know, you're mourning the loss of a loved one, maybe you might wear black at a funeral and you kind of, you're not, again, you're not kind of uh, wearing bright colors and all stuff. So it's that kind of idea that they are expressing what's going on in their hearts tangibly externally by taking off their jewelry, right? That's the first thing that's happening. And the first reason, but secondly, they're taking off their jewelry because previously they had used that jewelry to, to forge a golden calf and to worship it. And, and as I've said uh, before, thankfully, there's at least one thing in the Bible we're not tempted to, right? And, and that's it right there, to, to forge a golden calf. So, uh, <laughs> so thankfully, there's at least one thing, but they remove their jewelry. Now, not because it's intrinsically wrong, right? But because this has been sort of a stumbling block for them. It's kind of risky for them, especially in this crucial time of transition. I want to just pause for a moment and point out that there's a parallel here between what the people of Israel are doing and the Lenten practice of fasting during the season. Um, so uh, in the season of Lent, it's, it's an old tradition in the church to, to fast from something. It might be 
uh, oh, I don't know, it might be social media in our day, it might be alcohol, it might be sweets. And of course, those things are not intrinsically wrong. And, and the point is not, you know, self-denial as an end in itself. Rather, the point is, is by fasting from these things for time to make space for more of God in our lives. And so there's sort of, I just wanted to kind of sprinkle that in, there's sort of a parallel with what's happening here. Um, and maybe I'll take it just a step further. So uh, if you haven't tried this practice um, and you want to try that, um, you might want to think, if you're trying to figure out, well, what would I fast from? You might want to think, well, is there something in your life that's really been, even if it's okay in and of itself, that's been distracting you from God? Or is there something in your life that sort of exercised inordinate power over your life? And again, even if it in itself it's okay, and if so, you might want to consider fasting for that in this season to kind of, again, make space for God. So I just wanted to sprinkle that in. But going back to this story in verse 6, we are told, so the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horb, and it's kind of their way of saying, we're not going to use this stuff to, to worship false gods. We're, we're choosing you. We're, 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 we're going to worship you, God. And, and in this scene, again, the Lord is sort of testing uh, the hearts of his people. And of course, he wants to go with them into the promised land, right? I mean, of course. Uh, and one commentator describes this as sort of a rhetorical threat. Uh, again, this is a test. He needed to know, and in fact, he needed to remind them and, and call them to prioritize himself in this time of intense transition in their lives. And, and uh, just to uh, apply this to our situation uh, briefly, uh, as I've shared the, the past few weeks, I just felt a, a deep uh, stirring in my soul in, in recent months, and, and part of that has has been a, a deep dissatisfaction with Christianity, as we often know it in, in, in Orange County, in America. Part of that is just this deep hunger for God, for more of Him, uh, for, for myself, for our church, for our region, uh, and with that, just a deep sense uh, of God's call to really prioritize our relationship with Him in this season, and really to seek him through prayer for sort of a, a spiritual breakthrough for ourselves, for our church, for our region. And interestingly, I've, uh, I've come across uh, a couple other pastor friends and, and acquaintances in our area recently who are feeling this the same stirring. So I don't know what all God has, but I found that really encouraging. And, and, and I do believe that the call of this passage is uh, not just like a good biblical truth, but there's something like a special accent that God has for us in in this season, that he's calling us to be people like Moses who long for his presence and prioritize him in our lives. So there's this call in the passage to, to uh, prioritize God, uh, and there's this emphasis on prayer. We'll get to that. Uh, and uh, But again, in this time, I just invite you to join me in prioritizing your relationship with God in this season. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you, right? And so that's really, that's really the point of this passage. And actually, it gets clear as we get deeper into this story. Now, one of the shocking things about this story, and it is shocking, is that it reveals that it is possible, in a sense, to enter the promised land, yet lose the promise giver. Think about that. In other words, it was possible to have all your prayers answered and somewhere along the way lose the one who answered the prayers. So how might this look like for us? So, so it might look like this, you know, you're praying, God, please, please, I really want to get married. And in time, he answers that prayer. You get married, but then somewhere along the way, you just sort of lose sight of God, right? Or maybe it's like, please, please, God, I, I really need this job. And he hears, he answers. You get the job, but then somewhere along the way, you just sort of lose sight of God. Or here's what it can look like for pastors. Please, please, God, I, I really need you to help me with this sermon. 
And then a couple of days later, just kind of, you know, he kind of just fades from your consciousness <laughs> for a time. So we can, this can look different ways for all of us. And, and so God is about to fulfill this promise to his people, but he's asking them, will you take it at the expense of me? Now, Moses' response to this dilemma is just one of my favorite passages in, in all of scripture. Let me read verses 15 through 16 again. It says, then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? You see, that one of the things that's happened in Moses through this intense desert season that he's been in is that he has come to realize that he has everything else, but he doesn't have God. He has nothing. But if he has nothing else but he has God, he has everything. See, this time he spent in the desert has brought this crystal clarity, and that's often what God does in, in the desert. He wants us to see what really matters most and to strip us of those lesser things that can get in the way of that, right? So Moses says, God, if you're not going with this, I'm not moving an inch. Now, this, this d- dilemma is something that we can all face and we all probably will face at some point in our lives and if I were to ask you, you know, do you want all of your prayers to be answered, but you'll lose the presence of Jesus? Uh, or do you want to know the presence of Jesus, but you're going to live with a life of unanswered prayer for the rest of your life? What would you say? I mean, think about that. Now, if you're, you're a Christian, you've been a Christian for a while, maybe you grew up in Sunday school, I think the knee-jerk sort of reaction for so many of us is going to say, well, of course, Jesus because, well, we know, we've been taught that, well, the dancer is always Jesus, right? So I think it's sort of this, this knee-jerk reaction, but I want to just kind of press on that a bit, like, like really, like, honestly. Uh, and, and I don't know what sorts of things you've been praying for. Maybe it's for children who've wandered away from the faith. Maybe it's for healing of just some intense uh, physical health issue. Maybe it's for financial provision. I don't know, but imagine all those prayers got answered tomorrow. Pete Gregg, who's the founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, just an amazing man of God and, and author and leader. Uh, he's really helped my thinking on this passage, and in particular, particular has a, had an illustration that really helped me grasp the magnitude of this dilemma that the people of Israel were facing. So I want to share this with you. I'm just paraphrasing slightly, but suppose you wake up tomorrow, and you get an email informing you that a relative you didn't know you had has passed away and has left you, say, $10 million dollars and there will. That'd be an encouraging start to the day, right? <laughs> so once you kind of re- regain your composure and you kind of go and you make a cup of coffee and as you're, you're making this pot of coffee, you get a call and it's your friend, but it's not just any friend. It's that friend you've been praying for for years because they don't know Jesus and they've just not been interested. And they call you, pick up the phone and say, hey, what's going on? Say, uh, I had a dream last night. God revealed himself to me. And now I know it's all true. I want to give my life to Jesus. You're thinking, this is, this is not a bad cup of coffee, right? I mean, this is not a bad deal. And then you're at work later in the day and your boss, boss pulls you inside and said, you know, you're just so amazing. I've decided to promote you, not just once, but twice. I mean, that'd be a good morning, would it not? Uh, and this might sound like exaggeration, but in all honesty, this doesn't even scratch the surface of the magnitude of the promise of the promised land for the people of Israel. So you can imagine what they're wrestling with in this moment. And God says to them, now's the time, you get it now, but he says, I'm not coming with you. And this is what this represents for them. Do you feel the weight of that? Do you feel the tension? And Moses says, this is, I love Moses. He says, no deal. 
He's like on one of those game shows, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know, uh, no deal, no deal. You know, he says, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He is saying, I'm willing to camp out in the wilderness for the rest of my life with unanswered prayer if, if, if that means uh, that's the only way I get your presence. He's willing to, to do that. That is Moses' heart. And I believe if you really know Jesus, if you've tasted and seen that he is good, that you will eventually get to that place where you say, yes, I choose Jesus, even when it comes down to that moment. Though it's not as easy or as automatic as we might think, right? Now, uh, Moses' response, uh, or rather God's response uh, to, in response to Moses' bold, uh, persistent prayer, he says this in verse 14. It says, the Lord replied, Again, Moses, he's just throwing down. He's at this crossroads. It's this dilemma. But he says, Jesus, God, I choose you. Yahweh, I choose you. And in response, we are told, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then down in verse 17, the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. Now you hear the intimacy in that. Just amazing. We'll come back to that. But I want you to see here is that God honored Moses' hunger for him. God honored that. And do you, do you have hunger for, for God, for, for more of him? And if so, I would just say, let that stir. Let that find expression like Moses in bold prayer. And actually, he actually even gets more bold. So after this, he gets a little bit encouraged. He says, okay, now I'm just going for broke. And then in verse 18, we'll skip down. Moses has the audacity to say, now show me your glory. Now think about who's saying this. This is Moses, saw the burning bush, uh, was led, saw the Red Sea parted, experienced the pillar of cloud by day, experienced the pillar of fire by night, experienced the awesome presence of God on Mount Sinai. When he's in the tent of meeting, the cloud of the glory of God descends, and he's saying, he has the audacity to say, now show me your glory. In other words, I want more of you, God. More. Amazing. I think what that tells us, there's always more. I don't care how deep you've gone in your relationship, but there is more. There was more, but you see, God honored. If we keep with the story, we could, we could be here all day, but God blessed. He honored Moses' hunger. He loves it when we come to him like that. He loves that. Now, if you're here today, and some of you are probably thinking, you know, if I'm honest, I, I just don't have hunger like that. And I think that's really good. Just to be honest and allow yourself to be aware of that. But you might wonder, but what do I, like, what do, I do with that? And I would say, just just start right there. Talk to God about it. God, honestly, I'm not hungry for you. Would you stir that in me? I've prayed that prayer so many times in my life, and he loves to answer that prayer. And as I shared uh, last week, uh, I've been in a dry season, kind of a desert for a while, and I thought I was on my way out, but I think this last week, what I realized is I'm not so sure about that. But what I am sure about is this, uh, and, and it's that what God has been teaching me in this time is how to know his presence in the desert that it is actually possible to know God's presence in the desert. And it's been a hard journey in many ways, but it's also been a profound gift at the same time. And I now sort of feel like a spiritual survivalist, sort of like a spiritual Bear grills, you know, because now it's kind of like, I feel like I know how to find spiritual life and sustenance and water, even in the driest, deadest environment. I feel like God's taught me how to dig really deep and find his presence, even in those dry, dark places. And, and it's just been powerful, I have to be honest. And, and I'll share, uh, I guess I just share that to say that often, 
I think so often we want God just to airlift us out of our challenges, out of our problems, and, and sometimes he does that, and I've seen literal miracles, and I pray for that regularly. I've got people in my life, people in this church who are struggling with intense things, and so I pray for that regularly. But what I found is that even as we wait for deliverance or breakthrough or provision, that you can know God's presence with you even in the deep, dark, dry valley. You can know his presence right there. And that even in the deepest valley, the driest desert, that God wants to parachute in and sort of join you in the midst of your pain and fear and confusion. And you can know his presence even in the midst of that. Even in the midst of that. Amen? Amen. Now, there's just so much in this story, but I want to try to land this plane by talking about how we can practically live into this in our lives. And I want to rewind to verse 11. Powerful verse. It says, The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. And this is such a beautiful image of the kind of life that God has for us. Pete Gregg asks a provocative question. He asks, what if all this stuff of Christianity was as simple as you and God walking and talking together, walking through life together? What if it was that simple? And that's really what we see here. The first way in which Moses pursued the presence of God was by living life in a conversational relationship with God as his friend. And so here's how we can live this out in the coming weeks and days and months. Whatever comes your way, just talk to God about it. The highs, the lows, just talk to him about it as you would with a friend. And that's, that's, that's pretty simple, right? Uh, And some of us may come from backgrounds where you didn't know you actually had that kind of freedom. But again, Moses spoke with God. God spoke with him face to face as with a friend. Jesus later, he says, you are my friends. You no longer, I don't call you servants, I call you friends. And so we have this sort of access through Jesus to talk with God. We can do that. And and, uh, sometimes I'm asked, however, you know, what if I'm not feeling it? Because oftentimes I can, because you know, just like you don't feel like talking to God or praying or whatever. And, and my response is great. Start right there. Start right there. Just the other day I went to pray. And if I'm honest, I wasn't feeling it. My heart wasn't in it. Something kind of hurtful had come my way. And I was just kind of, if I'm honest, just kind of feeling sorry for myself. And I'm just like, I just didn't feel like praying. And, but I knew in that moment what I needed more than anything else was God. What I needed more than anything else was to meet with him through prayer. And so here's how I walked through that. I just want to, you know, Jesus said that we are to teach people to obey everything he commanded. And sometimes in church, we just leave it at the level of abstract principles. We don't teach people, how do you actually live into this? And so I want to just share with you how I uh, pressed through this in that moment. So first thing I did was I allowed myself to be aware of the fact that my heart wasn't in it. So you don't need to repress that and feel like, oh, I'm such a horrible person or such a horrible Christian. I'm going to repress it. No, no, no. Allow yourself to be aware of the fact that that's where I actually am, right? Reality is our friend. So start there with awareness. But the second thing is invite God into that. Again, that can be a fantastic conversation. Sorry, God, here's where I am. And I pray that you would help me. Here's where I really am. I don't want to just give you like a, 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 a kind of like a, you know, kind of a mask. Here's where I really am. But would you meet me in this? And then after I invited God in, I decided I'm going to lead with my body. In other words, I'm going to start going through the motions in the best sense of the word. So I pulled out my book of common prayer, which is this kind of this rich repository of prayers that Christians have prayed throughout the ages. And I started praying what's called morning prayer, just this wonderful collection of rich prayers. And, And as I started going through those motions, I said, God, would you help my heart to catch up? but I'm going to lead with my body right now. What I found was that as I did that, eventually my heart did catch up and there's like this breakthrough and there's like, aha, 
eventually I was in the presence of God and, and I was really able to meet with him. So I share that just hopefully to give you some tools to work with. You can't, because I think one of the problems we have in our culture is that we've deified feeling and desire. We've deified it. And so people are just enslaved to how they feel, even in the church. And we feel like, well, I'm not being authentic if I'm not feeling so I shouldn't pray. But guess what? If that's how you think about, just kind of an analogy, think about um, if you only exercised when you're quote unquote feeling it, <laughs> what would your spiritual health be? Now, maybe you're just awesome. Maybe you're intrinsically awesome. If it was me in my situation, if I only exercised when I'm feeling it, I would be in really, well, and I am. Okay, let's be honest. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Bad shape. Because what I feel is donuts. That, that's what I feel. So when I drive by Christopher Kingdom, I have to like call my accountability partner. Okay, I need some intense intercession right now. Would you just help me out here? <laughs> stay on the phone with me for the next three minutes. I'm driving, just, just stay on the phone. <laughs> Anyways. So just, again, allow yourself to be aware of whatever's going on in your heart. Uh, invite him in. Don't repress it. Invite him in and just lead with your body and pray that your heart would catch up. And I, and I really believe it will if you just, if you just keep walking forward. So um, God really, again, the invitation, God actually wants to live with you. He wants, actually has a vibrant, rich, this is not just like Christian rhetoric to get people to come to church. Like he actually wants a relationship with you. The, think about this. The God of the universe wants a relationship with you and me. Everyone here, this is not just talk. He actually wants that. Moses had that, and that was before, think about this, this is before the cross, this is before the resurrection, this is before Pentecost. The veil has been torn. Jesus made a way for you to have that kind of relationship with God. May we not neglect this amazing, awesome privilege we have. Awesome privilege. Now, you might wonder, well, when you talk to God, what should you talk with him about? And what I really want to encourage you is talk with him about everything, I've had many conversations where people express, you know, I feel like, well, you know, if I talk to him about something less than like, I don't know, peace in the Middle East, like I might be wasting his time. I think we can feel that like, oh gosh, this is just so, I mean, he, he's, so, he's got such bigger fish to fry. Like why in the world would he want to talk to me about, I, I, I don't know what, my hang, I don't know, whatever it is. He's just, you know, why, why would he want to talk to me? Uh, you know, and so, uh, and so we can just feel this and kind of then we just, we shut down and we, you know, only pray these big prayers. But I think one of the, one of the problems is that if you're only talking to God about the huge things in the world, you have very little context for relationship one, and you have very few opportunities to be grateful to God in your life. Think about that. Uh, and this is an insight I get from Pete Gregg, but he says, when you pray about the small things in life, you get to live with greater gener- uh, gratitude, rather. Greater gratitude. And, and, and so uh, I just, I think the invitation, talk to God about everything, invite him in, even in the small things of your life. They might seem insignificant to you, but they're not insignificant to God. He wants to be with you in that, in that. And uh, I'll just give an illustration on this. So one of the great theological debates of our day is, should I pray for parking spots? <laughs> and I want to say yes for two reasons. One, in Southern California, often it requires divine intervention to find parking. Let's be real here. Second of all, second of all, if you pray for a parking spot and a parking spot opens up, guess what? You get to be thankful for a small patch of concrete. That's cool. Don't you want to learn to become, I want to learn to become one of those people who can rejoice in the Lord always and give thanks to God in all things. And one of the ways that happens is if you invite him in, you talk to him even in the small things, even the seemingly insignificant things like your parking spot. That is an opportunity to be with God. 
So I want to encourage you with that. Now, this deal about Thanksgiving, this is a growth area for me, if I'm honest. Um, I love prayer, but this is like kind of my, I don't know. Yeah, this is my growth area. And, uh, but I want to tie this, uh, to just share a story related to this. And part of it, because again, we're in this theme of the desert, and I know many of us are in a desert season, and the, the, the real, it's very easy to get stuck in the desert. It's very easy to sort of give up on having a relationship with God when you're in a desert season. So I just want to share you again, sort of one of my Bear Grylls uh, uh, insights here on, on, on journeying and finding God's presence in, in the desert. And, and so uh, this past week, I, I went to pray, and I'd spent some significant time in prayer. And I've covered all the bases. And then at the end of that time, as I often do, I, I set aside some time just to listen to God. And I was seeking him in particular about, Lord, what's on your heart for me to preach on this Sunday? And so I just, you know, kind of, I've, I've, I've done my thing. and I'm, I'm there. I'm available. I'm making myself available to God. And just crickets. Just crickets. Just nothing. Dry, nothing. No sense of his presence. And I can't tell you how frustrating that is as a pastor. Because I'm like, I feel like Moses. I'm like, God, unless you get with, go with me in that pulpit, I can't, I can't get up there. Like, how can I lead your people if you don't lead me? And I'm just like, just really, I'm, I'm wrestling with God. I'm a wrestler. I just wrestle with God. Like, what? Like, what in the world? And then eventually, uh, a scripture comes to mind. It's this. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I just had this deepest sense that God's word to me in that moment was, here's how you're going to get into my presence right now. It's not the way you've done it in the prior season. In this season, here's what I'm teaching. I'm teaching you something new. And it's to enter my gates with thanksgiving, go into my courts with praise. And I did that. And as I did that, I can't tell you, but just like this, there's like this swell of the presence of God. And eventually, I'm just starting to thank God for just whatever I can think. God, thank you for coffee. Thank you for coffee. Oh, and thank you that this person gave generously to our laundry shower mission. Thank you. I just start going. The more things I, I start thanking for, I realize, whoa, there's, I actually have a lot to be thankful for in life. And, 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 but just again, and just, I, at one point, eventually, I'm just like, I'm in his courts. And in that place, I was able to hear his voice. And not like an audible voice, just that still, small voice. And for me, it's usually very still and very small. But I heard what I needed to hear. And that's why we're talking about this today. <laughs> but, but I just share that to encourage you that, again, in different seasons, times of transition, how God wants to work and how you find his presence in that season can actually change and look different. And so I just, just want to give you an imagination to go on a wild, amazing adventure with God. But that even in the desert, he is there. He wants you to meet with him. He wants you to know his presence even in the desert. Even in the desert. Um, so much we could talk about. Maybe just one more insight from this passage before we wrap up. So... There's this, uh, there's this part in the story where it says that Moses set up this, this tent of meeting outside the camp, and, 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 and we're told that Moses would go there to meet with God, and we're also told at the end of verse 7 that anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and they, and they would seek God. Now, of course, uh, in the New Covenant, we can meet with God anywhere. You don't have to go to a special place. But there is still this idea of, of a sacred place or a sacred space. And there's also this idea in Scripture that when, when two or three are gathered together in, in Christ's name, that he is with us in a special way. And, and, and so in the season of Lent, one of the things we're doing to, to press into this and to press into God's presence and, and press into prayer is what I shared earlier is Ask Wednesday. And so this is just a time we meet here on Wednesday nights from 6 to 7. It's just a time just to be with God personally. And then at seven, we gather just to pull our hearts together and seek God for, for renewal and revival and breakthrough for ourselves personally, for our church, for our region. And it's just been a really sweet time. So I just wanted to put that on your radar and just kind of invite you to join us. I, I really believe uh, that this is a significant uh, call for us in, in this season. 
just invite the band to come back up. Uh, I want to share with you an encouraging, just as we close, uh, an encouraging testimony from, from Pete Gregg. And he was a pastor some years ago, and, and he reached this place where he just, he was just like desperately hungry for more of God, just desperately thirsty for God. And he, he longed to see more of his power, and, and he wanted to know and experience more of his presence, and he wanted to hear more of his voice, and, and he wanted to see things, you know, like we see in the book of Acts. He's like, Lord, it's in your word. And, and, and so he just got sick and tired of hearing what God had done at other times in human history, other places on the globe. And he's got, Lord, I want you to do this now, Lord. I want to see this in our midst. And, and, and I just, as I've shared, if you know, if you've been with us, I just relate to that stirring so much. And, and lately I've been telling him and, and um, I've just said, Lord, I'll pay any price for more of you, just any price. And so there's just been this deep stirring. And, and but so Pete, he, he really started pressing into prayer and he called his church into that. And they started this prayer room and they just kept prayer going and they just kept pressing into prayer. And as they did at some point, it's like the presence of God just broke out and just this immense transformation took place in their lives, in their city. Now it's spread all around the world. And so for me, it was just so encouraging to hear that because my sense in our church council, our sense is that God's primary like strategic call for us in this season is prayer. And I know from a worldly perspective and even from the perspective of a lot of American Christianity, that seems like, like really? Like prayer? But yeah, like prayer. God answers prayer. God answered Moses' bold, persistent prayer. And I feel like that is really the summons of God in this season for us to really prioritize our relationship with him and to really seek him in deeper ways. And so I just invite you to join us uh, in that. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that, uh, Jesus, you made the way so that we could be reconciled to the Father, that we could have a relationship with you, the living God. And I just pray for anyone here who maybe uh, it's been a while since they've talked with you, God, uh, that uh, you would just draw them to yourself, that you would just cleanse them, God, of any just shame or guilt or anything like that, and that you would just, Lord, draw them near, God. If there's anyone uh, who needs hope this morning, would you just fill them with hope, God, that you're with them in the desert, God? Would you just move uh, among us, God? Would you stir in us deeper hunger for you? Would you give us expectation to meet with you? But Lord, we just pray for more of you. We love you, Lord. Amen.